Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Church, are you ready? Now go ahead and get lively because this isn't going to be a quiet time. We don't get we don't get all subdued during the message here. There might be a little bit of voice inflection. There might be a nerve or two that gets worked. I want to warn you that you are in a high offense zone because the Bible gets preached here. You might wonder why it is that I talk about offense a lot. Well, because if you look in the, in the book of, of Matthew, chapter 24, it says, at that time, many will be offended or many will turn away from the faith, depending on the translation. So offense oftentimes and almost always means turning away from the faith. Always ask if you're, I'm going to just kind of do a preemptive strike this morning. If you're about to get up and walk out, ask yourself why it is that you're doing that. Seriously, ask yourself that. You're like, Tom, why do, you, why do you concern yourself? Because I actually love those people. It's not, it's not because I go home and stew about it. I don't go home and stew about it. I go home and eat and nap, which is how I like to spend most of my days, eating and napping and napping and eating. I don't, I don't go home all verklempt about it. I actually love the people. So you ask yourself before it is that you get up and leave or you just get up and leave mentally, why are you doing that? Is it because of the Bible? Is it because the Bible is being spoken or is it because the Bible's not being spoken? Is it because the truth is being spoken or the truth is not being spoken? You know, one thing that I've always run into when it comes to church and church activities and church meetings and church services is the tone police. Very concerned about tone. Well, you know, like, I believe that could have been said nicer. I don't disagree with what was said. I just disagree with how it was said. Then why do you never say what was said then? You ever notice that? The people who say, I have a problem with how it was said, not what was said, never actually say what was said. If, if, you were, if you only had a problem with tone, then why don't you preach it nicer? You see what I mean? I'll give you just, a, I'll give you, a, let's just use fornicators and homosexuals. Now, I would preach it as, you had better turn or burn. Right? All right. You're looking at a reformed sexual center right here. See how it got quiet in here? You are too. You are too. Thank you. Oh, you, oh I feel so sad for him. He's a reformed sexual center. So are you. 
So that's how I would preach it. So people would say, all that whole thing, that's how I'd preach it. So are you, that's how I preach. Well, you know, I, I agree with what was said, but not with how it was said. <laughs> all right, then why, okay, then why don't you go home saying, good morning, church. Um, I would just like to say that although you may be trying really hard to not fornicate or commit homosexual acts, I just want to tell you this morning that if you don't stop behaving in such fashion that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice how that's never said. It's just the entire topic is avoided. So it's not tone. It's actually the word. So before you get offended, ask yourself, is it the Holy Ghost that's offending me? Ask yourself that. Is it the word of God that's offending me? Because that's all you're going to get here. If it's not the word of God, I'll tell you it's not the word. That part that I just said about homosexuals and fornicators, you know, that's just found. What are, some of you might be thinking, what's a fornicator? Those who are having sex outside of marriage. Simple as that. Where do you get that from? It's just the Bible. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Revelation 21, 8. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Shall I go on? Well, I don't like the way you said that. Okay. Where I'm getting that from is the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, Revelation 21, 8, and Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I would advise you all to please study that when you get home today. See, but none of that is actually ever said. So it's not the tone that offends them. It's the truth that offends them. Always be honest with yourself. I am honest with myself, but to a fault. Don't go to my degree. I don't want you to live in paralysis of self-analysis, of which I wasted decades of my life. Don't do that. Just recognize it and identify it, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. This is a gospel of second-by-second second decisions that are made Second by second. It is a very specific, living and active gospel that is unfolding or not unfolding in your life. Well, the gospel is always unfolding. Not necessarily in your life. Yes, there are things that are unfolding. You're not going to stop the day of the Lord. You can hasten it, but you can't stop it. That's, that's right out of 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12. You, can, you, can't, you can't stop it. So that will unfold, but that has nothing to do with you. Whether the gospel is unfolding, love, peace, prosperity, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, miracles, winning the lost, power, whether that's happening in your life is up to you. And that is second by second decisions. When you get up in the morning and you got a case, and I mean a firm case, a big case, of the rear end, what are you gonna do? Is it gonna ruin your entire day? Remember, nobody will preach this but me, your feelings are nothing but gas. So why would you allow a fart to determine your entire day? Well, I feel this way, I feel that way. It's just chemicals. 
That's all that it is. So will you take those feelings captive? Now, it's a gospel of second-by-second decisions. Don't fall for the fakes. What are the fakes? The ambiguous will of God that you hear me preach about all the time. The mystery of God shrouded in mist that just miraculously unfolds no matter what I do or say. The will of God is unfolding. God has a plan. What plan? What, what plan? God has a plan. It's unfolding. Okay, how's it unfolded? So you can't name the plan, and you can't name the how it's unfolding, but yet every day you say God has a plan, and it's unfolding. How? It's a, you, you should know what God's plan is. How will you know? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you, if you take every thought captive, and you, make, and, you, and you treat the gospel the way that it is as a second-by-second decision-by-decision gospel, you'll see the light... Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto thy path. You will see your, you will see your path illuminate. Yeah. Step by step. Oh, I want to know the will of God. What is his will for my life? Step number one. Your next step. How will you know that? Make the correct decisions. Second by second, melting unbelief. The ambiguous will of God is a fake to trick you into lack of movement. To trick you into sedation. To trick you into being sedentary. Never moving. Sedation. Sedentary. Same root word. Keep you from a lack of movement. Making decisions. This gospel is a second by second gospel. It's that specific. Don't fall for the fakes. Here's another one. One touch does it all. I'm going to go get touched. It's going to change my life. No, a touch starts your life. What do you do if you, if you end up doing the, the Pentecostal crawl back to your chair this morning? I've done it many times. Crawled back to my chair after being slain in the Holy Ghost. I crawl back to my chair. Sit there, the room kind of spinning around, but in a glorious sort of way. Now, what do I do? Look for the next one, look for the next one, look for the next one, look for the next one. That's how most Christians are. It's because they don't read the Bible, they go and get touched. What you do is you take that experience, you bring it home and you water it. You massage it. No matter what happened, if you were just touched during Waymaker today, you need to take that experience, water it, Massage it. How do you do that? Prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship on your own. That's what you do. If you don't, you're not following the gospel. You're following churchology. Touch me again. Touch me again. Touch me again. And nobody will get saved. No power will emanate out of your body. No miracles will be performed by you, and you won't bring anybody to church. You won't win the lost. You'll just be looking for your next touch like a crack addict. Touch me again. Touch me again. And I'm one who loves to be touched by God. I line up all the time to be touched by God. You're like, where, Tom? You can't do it here. When I'm at my pastor's church, I do. I love to be touched by God. I love to weep in the presence of God. I love all of that. I do. And you can live in that lifestyle if you water it. 
Not look for the next touch and the next touch. Those are fakes. God's just going to see me through. How's he going to see you through? Name it. See how quiet it is? Somebody would shout something out if, it, if there was something to shout out. There's nothing to shout out because it's not the word. If any of this is true, just get a touch or the ambiguous will of God. Why is it not in the Bible? Why do, why do, you, not, why do you not see in the Bible anything that's not certain, that's not specific, Everything in the Bible is specific. Everything is certain. Everything is laid out. You either do it or you don't do it. You will decide today whether to pray, to study the word, or stare at a screen all day. And it's not to, you know what, I, some people, screens are not your problem. I want to speak to the minority this morning because I'm an equal opportunity offender. For some of you, this isn't your problem. This is my problem. Not the phone necessarily, but any screen. It's been like that since I was a kid. Any screen that's turned on, I'm like a moth. Some of you, that's not your problem. And you're like, so glad that doesn't relate to me. Silly man. Your problem is just as carnal, it's just different. You like to be busy. You will do anything but study the word. You'll clean it again. You already cleaned it. What are you talking about, Tom? Anything. You'll clean it again. You'll wash it again. I could go to your house right now and deliver boulders to your front yard, and you would rather go out there with a sledgehammer and break boulders like Rambo and Rambo Part 2 and go out there and just break boulders all day than ever study the word because it's more carnally satisfying. Carnal is not sexual. It's of the five senses. It's been usurped by the porn community, but it's of the five senses. You want to tickle those five senses. You want to work and to work and to work instead of actually being still and knowing that he's God. Listen, overworking is no less carnal than laziness. It's just a more highly approved by the world, which is of the prince of the power of the air. Watch who's approving you. Watch who's putting their stamp of approval on you. Watch whose stamp of approval you want. I want people to think I'm a very hardworking person. But the Bible says, do not overwork to be rich, because of your understanding, cease. For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not set your eyes on that which is not. Proverbs 23, 5. Don't fall for the fakes. Now we're told if, if any of this was true, that there's an ambiguous will of God that unfolds no matter what you do. How many of you believe that this morning? There's an ambiguous will. I know, don't, don't say amen. Just If you want to, you can that there's an uh, ambiguous will of God that you have no understanding of that will just simply unfold no matter what you do. Or you go and get touched one time. Here's the fake. Those are the fakes. If any of that was true, then why are we told the following? Here's my list. Why are we told to press in Philippians 3.14? Press toward the mark. Work hard toward the mark. No, Tom, this is not a works-based gospel. 
That's not a Bible verse. So I disregard you. I reject you. Tommy, you should never reject the person. You should reject what they say. That's not a Bible verse either. So I reject you and what you're saying about rejection. I don't live by things that aren't Bible verses. You're like, well, it's not covered in the Bible. Then I don't care about it. It's an awfully simplistic way to live. Yep. I don't care. What do you think about, what do you think about this? And what do, you, what do you think about dinosaurs, Tom? Don't care. There's Christians who waste their entire life studying it. Nobody's ever being saved. No sights being given to the blind. No deaf or hearing. No dead or raising. But you sure do know about Tyrannosaurus Rex. Fantastic. Who cares? You're welcome. Set you some of you free. And a lot of you get caught into all sorts of different things that you have passion about that don't matter at all. Not one thing. They don't matter at all. Christians get into discussions about when Jesus is coming back. No one knows about the day or hour. Discussion over. Matthew 24, 36 doesn't even say no one knows the day or hour in that particular verse. It does in another verse. But in that particular verse, it says no one even knows about it. And there's people debating about it and spend their entire lives debating about it. Who cares? I see the signs of the time. I wet my finger. Yeah, the wind's blowing. Signs of the times. I'm good now. Now I'm going to go home, order chicken wings and pizza and take a nap. With a 64-ounce Slurpee. So if you're just supposed to be touched and the will of God is just supposed to unfold in your life and it takes nothing from you, then why are we told to press? Why are we told to run? Do you not know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. You just sit there? If you don't run, how will you win the prize that you're commanded to get? But yet somehow the will of God's unfolding in your life and you don't run? That's what most churches this morning are preaching. Right now, God's coming over you. It's just your season. How? In what season? And everyone, what, what amazes me is that everybody actually stands up and shouts and gets excited. I never do that. You never stand up and shout and get excited? Not very, not very often. I mean, I get excited and I, and I worship God. But when, when that's actually said that, you know, basically, your ship is coming in, it's happening, it's gonna be your year. I'm like, well, if I do my part. So I don't just sit there and go, yeah, woo! I go, well, if I do my part. And for 50, 51 years out of 54, I didn't. So my ship never came in. It was always off the shore like a Joe Biden economy. <laughs> just sitting there. You're like, what on earth? Before you get up and leave because you're offended by me saying something about Joe, do you call yourself a Christian or not? I'll say that about Republicans too. I'm an equal opportunity offender like I told you earlier. Do you slaughter the unborn or not? If he slaughters the unborn, you ought not to be voting for the man. Life is simple. It really is easy. It really is easy. So if it just unfolds, if the will of God just unfolds in our life, or you're just supposed to be touched one time, then why are we told in 2 Peter chapter 1, 5-7 to endlessly add? 
add diligence. Add, add, add. Why? And we're told actually at the end of those verses that if you do these things, if you continuously add, you will never stumble. How many of you in here, and this includes me, and I will go ahead and say amen, stumble far too often? I do. You know why? Because we don't add like we should. We think this whole thing is ambiguous, that God's just going to do it without our cooperation. You're going to have to cooperate second by second. Those decisions are coming. They're coming. Today, even right now, some of you right, some of you need to get out super glue and glue your butts to the seats because you want to go so bad. You're going to hear nothing but Bible coming up. There's a, there's a flurry a Bible coming your way. So if we're told to press, run, and add, how's it just unfolding if we're not pressing, running, and adding? Not to mention prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship, which are all pressing, running, and adding. If we don't do these things, we are missing the mark. We press toward the mark. Like, what is my high, high calling? I don't know. How would I know? People come up to me all the time. Pastor, how can I serve in the church? I don't know. First of all, I don't even know how to turn the lights on here. I show up, I scream, I go home. Four days a week. Show up, scream, go home. That's what I do. You're like, you don't do anything else? Yeah, I counsel people. I do a funeral tomorrow. I do all those things. I get it. But I don't know what you're called to do. How would I know? What should you do if you don't know what to do? Wait on God. What does wait on God mean? Like a waiter. No, it means to wait. What can I do for you? What's your drink order today? That's waiting on God. So what you should do is just plug in. I don't know what I'm called to do. Go change diapers. If you're a lady, I don't want you if you're a man back there. What do you mean, Tom? That's sexist. I don't care what. You need to understand that. Make sure that we're very firm in this, that I don't care. It's the way it is. You're not going to be back there and be a man. That's the way that it is. That's life. How do, why, why, are you, why do you have that stand, Tom? Oh, 25 years of law enforcement. Every perv that I ever dealt with was a man, not a woman. There's never a woman looking in the windows of a man. <laughs> ever. Oh, that's not true. Oh, really? Tell, tell me about your vast law enforcement experience. Well, you shouldn't profile people. That's crap, too. Every crime that's solved is profiled. Every serial killer is a white male, statistically speaking. I offended all the white people in here today. So you should just plug in. Plug in, see what happens. Today, there's free food back here. The smell of it will begin to loft. It's 11.15. We'll begin to loft about 30 minutes from now. Into the room where you won't be able to pay attention to me much longer from the beef smell that's coming. These are not hot pockets back here. Free food. Good food. First-class food, homemade food, pastries, beef, things like that. The two major food groups, beef and sugar. 
are all back there. Instead of rushing out the door, go back there and let God open doors for you. I don't understand why God never opens up because you don't add, you don't press, you don't run, you don't prayer, Bible study, worship, or fellowship. But you just continually tell yourself that the will of God's unfolding. That's the will of God for you to sit home alone and never win the lost. That's the will of God. You should have this vast ministry or be part of one. It should be happening right now. Jer and my daughter today are flying off. Well, where are you going first, Jer? Fly off to London first? London and then where? Johannesburg, South Africa? All right, so they're flying. You got 12 hours in London, right? That's crazy. Hey, Jer, stand up. Stand up. That's who. That's, that's my daughter, too. Now, when I send my daughter on a missions trip, I send them with that. That's right. There you go. But they're just going. Well, I don't know if I'm called to missions or not. Why don't you just see what doors open? Why don't you just see? They're, they're going with Daniel and Bia. That's, who's, that's, who, that's, that's the crusade they're going to be a part of. There's going to be hundreds of thousands of people there. A door or two might swing open. Well, you know, I don't want to do Listen, I didn't want to start a church. I don't even like people. I love people. I rarely like them. But I do love them, and I will act like I like them. It's called putting on the garment of praise. Well, how could you be that way? You've never pastored. Shut up. You know what you're talking about. You have no idea. I love you, and I like you. Oh, oh, oh. There you go. Does it make you feel better? No, but I knew on the inside that God had called me to do it, so I took the step. What, did I launch into buying a $5 million building, a $6 million building? That's what this is? No. I went to Inglewood. Actually, I started with two barbecues at my house. And I had like eight people there. And then we went to the cafegimatorium <laughs> at Inglewood Elementary School. And we launched there. And we had 21 people on the first Sunday. That's counting all four in my family. And on the next Sunday, we had 19, because everybody always leaves when I preach. <laughs> if you've been here for more than a service, you are way above average. People can't take the Bible. They can take church because the church is not biblical anymore. So I just launched. I launched in my backyard. And then I launched in a cafeteria. I just took the steps. Before that, I started off on the worship team. Our worship leader heard me sing because the church was small enough that he could actually hear me singing. Asked me, asked me to come up and lead. I didn't want to lead worship. I was scared. I've told you this before. But on my first Sunday leading worship, my hand held out. We had you know, the mic stand. And I just stood there the whole time at attention with my hand gripped so tight on the mic that my hand was white for 48 minutes straight. 
And Hope came up to me afterwards and said, you need to like loosen up and like let go of the mic and act like you're enjoying it up there, whatever it is. Okay, but I did what was uncomfortable. And after doing some worship leading and being part of the worship team, then, I was, then the youth pastor job opened up. So I took the youth pastor job. You see, you do, none of which I was comfortable with. None of which I had time for. So a lot of you are. Well, you don't really have time for that. We have, what, what's more important than ministry? Well, you got to put your family first, not a Bible verse. Sorry. I know that's Americana Christianity. And I understand, but real ministry would never have your family left behind anyway. Churchy religious ministry will. Pastor do this. Pastor's nothing more than a running toady for most churches. I need the pastor over here. I need the pastor over here. Will he do this? Will he do that? You know what I say all the time? No, 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 and no. <laughs> that way you don't leave your family behind. But a lot of you talk yourself out of ministry. Well, you know, I got to spend time at home with the wife. Doing what? Come on, doing what? You're not talking. You both sit there and stare at a screen. You'd probably be better off here being a youth worker, helping Francel, right? I'm not saying, no, I'm not giving you the okay with him. That's up to him. I'm just saying, instead of being home alone, basically, alone together like COVID, <laughs> demon spirits are always the same, keeping you out of ministry, and then they manifest themselves in other ways. So you're together alone at the house. Why don't you go minister? Why don't you bring your wife with you? So quiet it gets in here. Well, we, you know, we want to have, okay, you're, you, you've got it down to where you're spending lots of time together. Doing what? Well, accomplishing what for God? Like, and here's the thing, and I'm not bragging. I'm really not. I just go with what is statistical data. What's true? Really, I think the best marriage I've ever known was my own. I'm not, I'm, I would tell you if I found one better. I found some that are good. I've never found one that are, that's better. There's couples that I like and admire. I look at like the Wolfgangs in the front row. Great marriage. There's, in, in God's eyes, there might, there, theirs might be better than mine. They have a great marriage and I, and I like and admire them, but I've never found one better. And all we do is minister. Maybe, maybe a great marriage is the result of an outflow of ministry. It's called overflow. Maybe, right? Instead of prioritizing God out of your life. Tom, why are you always trying to get us to move? Because that's what God's telling me to preach. I'm different than most preachers. I don't go, hey, you know what? What should I preach this week? Let's go to sermons.com. <laughs> Never once have I ever got an idea to pre what to preach from any person. Ever. I pray over it immediately. God, give me that which you want me to preach this week. Word for word. Give it to me, Lord. So this is what he wants you to hear. That's why I'm prodding you. Don't kick against the goats. You have time. 
It's just how you prioritize the time. Your kid has to go to volleyball, piano practice, dart practice, bocce ball practice. For what? You ever ask yourself? It's a bouncing ball. That's what it is. How much do you think that matters to Yahweh? A ball bouncing down the field. Well, it matters a lot to a lot of people around the world. I agree. But they're of the prince of the power of the air. Most people put masks on and most people have taken the vaccination. So how smart are these people that you are measuring yourself by, which you're not supposed to do, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, of chapter 10, verse 12. Measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. So why are you doing that? Oh, they fill stadiums. Okay, for what? There's a ball bouncing down the field with a bunch of men who have lifted weights to make the ball bounce further down the field. For what? It doesn't add up to anything. You were created for great things. Bouncing a ball, have fun with it. I like sports, but bouncing a ball means nothing. There's lost people around you. There are people now stricken with sickness, illness, and, and disease because they took a pharmaceutical into their bloodstream that you need to pray over, that you need to be bold enough to pray over. If you have a loved one who's totally and completely healthy and then suddenly is stricken, go up to them and look them in the eye and say, listen, I love you. Were you vaccinated? Because we need to get that clot juice out of your body in Jesus' name. Yeah, I preach that here. If you're vaccinated, go ahead. Either be offended or don't be offended. But here's the thing. The house of actuaries, which is, actu- is, actuaries, which is actually the, ins- the information that's coming out of insurance companies, which you've heard me preach here several times. And yes, I said preach because it has to do with life and death. I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. So you ought to preach about Life and death, Joshua 24, 15. Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men, Proverbs 15, 11. We ought to be talking about life and death, right? So yes, I preach about that here because life and death is in the balance. And out of the house of actuaries, there's a 40% increase in excess death between 25 and 64-year-olds and about 30% in all other categories right now. The only countries that are spared that for all intents and purposes are are countries who are, for all intents and purposes, unvaccinated. That's the truth. That's the truth. Will you be offended by it? Be offended all you want. And if you want, you can even get up and leave. But when you go home, pull it up and see if you're offended by my tone or the truth. You don't want to face it because you got that pharmaceutical juice coursing through your veins full of spike proteins. You aren't supposed to do that. Aren't supposed to do that. Your body's not supposed to be producing those things. Your genes aren't supposed to be altered to manifest synthetic material. They just did a study, Joseph Lodapo, Surgeon General in the state of Florida, The the increase of heart attacks amongst the young men, I believe it was 18 to 39, was hundreds and hundreds of percentages higher within 28 days of the vaccination. That's what's true. 
Well, I don't believe it correlates. Uh, causation, correlation, okay. They don't correlate the causation. And they don't uh, figure out the causation to the correlation until 10 years from now because nobody wants to know. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. They just had this ninth kid drop dead on the campus of North Carolina State. What's their average every year? Zero. Ninth kid just found dead. When is that ever happened? There's no murder. There's no serial killer except pharma. If you've received the vaccine, I love you. That's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. You decide whether or not to accept it. And if you are vaccinated and you haven't been prayed over yet to get that out of your body, you need to come forward this morning. Don't have pride. Nobody's even going to know because there's going to be vast opportunities, vast different categories for people to come up to be prayed over this morning, this afternoon by the time we do it. We'll be praying over people about 3.30 this morning. I mean 3.30 this afternoon. When I'm done preaching, four hours from now. Four hours from now when I'm done preaching, we're going to pray. No, about 12.10, which is 40 minutes from now, we're going to pray. And if that's you, maybe it's time to start facing the truth. I haven't known a soul who died, who's died of COVID, but I, in my neighborhood, which has like 30 or 40 people in it, one man dropped dead on his toilet, no history of cardiovascular events, drops dead on his toilet from a heart attack. Two, one's dead of cancer who had no cancer before, goes right to stage four and he's dead. And another one who had no cancer before went to stage four and he's still alive. In my tiny little neighborhood, Tiny little neighborhood, all that's happened. Never happened before, 2021. Why is it that in the military, there's a 300 to 1,600% increase in all maladies? HIV, spontaneous abortions, miscarriages, myocarditis, pericarditis, neoplasm, skin cancer, why? Why? Pulmonary embolisms, why? It never, I mean, the average was, how they averaged it was they took 2016 through 20, those five years, and then, and then compared them to two years, 2021 and 2022. Why is there that much of an increase? It's strange, isn't it? It's all coincidental. It just happened. What, what's causing it? Global warming? <laughs> Ooh, is that the cause? The 52-year example, this is the stuff, I'm putting this in a clump for Aaron because he has to edit these videos. And if we leave this on, YouTube will ban us again for life. So he can just edit this out. So I'm doing it for clumps for Aaron's sake. So here's the last piece, Aaron. It's called a COVID clump. Because some of you didn't get that because that's a long-standing joke here at the church where they made people come in and sit in COVID clumps in their own lawn chairs back in 2020. Remember that? Sit apart, together alone, in your COVID clumps. But here's the last thing I'll tell you. Take 52 years, and I know you've heard me say this before. I'm just saying it for the new people so you can decide whether to be offended or not, but here's the numbers. These are the numbers, and then you decide. Numbers affect me. What's true affects me. I go, you know what? I'm going to agree with what's true. If I know it's true, then I agree with what's true. No matter how, no matter how it hurts me or edifies me. Quiet in here. I'll say that again. Whatever is actually true is where I stand, no matter how it affects me. Amen. Whether it edifies me 
or makes me have a boo-boo on my feelings. So you take 52 years, 1970 to 2022, 52 years. In those first 50 years, 1,300 athletes dropped dead on the field in 50 years. Dropped dead on the field. This is all statistical, absolute truth. 1,300 in those first 50 years. In the last two years of that 52 years, 21 and 22 1,700 dropped dead on the field. But nothing's wrong. What changed? He had the first 50 years minus the COVID vaccination, 1,300. And then in the final two years, with the lovely bonus of the COVID vaccination, 1,700 in two years. Strange, right? An average of 900 per year. Suddenly. Out of nowhere. Well, you shouldn't be preaching that. I do preach it because you know what? That's a soul that could have been saved. You don't care. I care. I honestly care about that person. Things bother me. My wife has to guard my heart for me. She does. There's certain things I just don't tell you. She tells me that all the time. I'm like, I used to be like, well, why not? Now I go, thank you. I appreciate it. There's certain things that happen in the church I just don't tell you. Thank you. I don't want to know. I don't want to spend my day. Because I get affected. I don't know when I'm getting back to the message. I'll get there. But I remember when Hope was giant. She was full of Tommy. She was pregnant as can be. And we went to a, we were at a police conference. See, I take my wife with me. Well, I don't want to be involved in this or that because, you know, I want to spend time at home. Take them with you. Well, you know, once you have kids, you know, you really got to settle in. I don't, I, we went everywhere with our kids. Well, we don't want to do that because, you know, we're sitting at Outback and they're running all over the place. Why are they running all over the place? Explain that to me. Why are your kids running all over the place? Well, what's the difference? I mean, I used to have kids, I used to have parents walk up to me in Outback. Don't let me forget about conference. Saving Private Ryan. He used to have people walk up to me at Outback, and this is more than once. It's like everybody stops me now and goes, wow, your dog is so beautiful. I know, he is. <laughs> he's a terror, but he's beautiful. But people come up to me at Outback all the time and go, I mean, your kids are so well behaved. And I'm like, what do you think, they were born cherubs? It's the same approach as it, is with your, as it is with your walk with God, second by second. They didn't get away with nothing. They didn't back my, they, you weren't, they weren't allowed to sit in church in sedentary fashion. If they did, I'd be like, looking at them like. I'll do that for over here. You're going to worship. Fake it till you make it. I don't care. <laughs> Worship. Well, you shouldn't force it. That's, well, yeah, how are your kids doing? Everybody gives me advice. I'm like, your kids are horrible. They're not saved. They're NPCs spiritually. They're zombies. They're lobotomized spiritually. And you're going to give me advice? It's like receiving advice from a broke person on finances. No, thank you. I'm good. So we're at this conference, 
and Hope's very pregnant, we go out to see Saving Private Ryan. Okay, there's certain, in your mind, some of you don't, you're, 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 you're so assimilated and your heart is so hardened that nothing affects you. Or maybe you're just like, no, oh, it's a movie, it's just actors. I get it, okay. But I, I, I put it back to these young men that were on the field at that time. That, that paid the price for me to be able to preach this morning. That are dead. That even lied about their age and stormed the beaches of Normandy at 16. Now everyone's got to run to a safe place because not, they're not being called them or they. You know what I'm saying? So it bugs me. It bugs me. So we're, we go and we see Private Ryan. Now I, we go home in hopes like because she lacks a soul. So she just zonks out. She's done. I laid awake all night long, didn't sleep a wink. And Hope's over there because she's real pregnant, just sawing wood. She's not, I mean, she's this dead silent sleeper. When she's pregnant, she sounds like a 90-year-old man who smoked cigarettes for all 90 years. <laughs> like, woof. She's done, so I'm just laying there. Thinking about the various death scenes, it bothers me. 1,700 athletes just dropping dead on the field. 28 out of 32 women in the Pfizer trial who were pregnant miscarried. Didn't say a thing, and then all the experts come out and say, safe and effective, safe and effective. It bothers me. Lies bother me. Death bothers me. Deception bothers me. All right, so back to the message. So this is a second-by-second thing. If it's not second-by, you're not making decisions every day, something's wrong. What I mean by something's wrong is something's wrong with your interaction with the gospel. Now, my wife's being snarky today. Okay, right there. Here's your decision. What are you going to do? She's being snarky today. What are you going to do? Look at me. What what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to endure. Bull crap. I'll try, I'm going to try over here. <laughs> Bull crap. Listen, did you get clipped? Look at me, men. Did somebody lop them off? Did you go get transgender surgery? When my wife's being snarky, ask her. I'll tell her, knock it off. <laughs> and she's rarely ever snarky. But when she is, knock it off. I've told you this story before. Hope was overworked. This is when we were both working and doing the church at the same time. And she was out cleaning houses. You're like, you guys are just bourgeois, elitist ministers. What? <laughs> I, most of my ministerial careers overlap with a full-time job. What are you talking, law enforcement? But anyway, so she was out cleaning houses for a living. And I was working overtime details all the time for a living. So she was overworked. Norma was sick. I mean, sick as a dog. But Hope is like, you, no matter what, listen, if you ain't dead, you will do the dishes. You're going to do your jobs. There ain't no excuse. 
unless you're dead. You're dead, you're excused. Enjoy your time in heaven. I'll see you in a couple years. <laughs> so she comes rip-roaring through the house. And when hope, when hope is like, when she's carnal, it's because she's overworking. She ain't never lazy. I never, she never sits still for anything. So anyway, she comes rip-roaring through the house. And she starts barking out commands. I want this done. And I want that done. Norma, I mean, walking around like at 104. Norma, you need to be cleaning these dishes. And I went, stop! You don't believe it, do you? You don't know me. Ask Aaron. He knows me. Stop! Norma, go back to your room and go to bed. Nobody is doing anything. That's it. Now you men are like, well, you're, or you women, you're a male chauvinist pig. No, it's called being the priest of your home. Does that mean that now I am free to be an idiot? No, because hope has every right to come to me and say, you know what? You're stupid. <laughs> How it works in a marriage is if there's an impasse and you cannot come to agreement, then the wife submits to the husband. What, how it is? Well, if you don't know the Bible verses, though, it's all in Ephesians chapter five. In 22, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, right? What's the verse before? Somebody said it. Submit to one another in the fear of God. So if there's an impasse, it comes to me, and I'll make the decision. Normally, it's not an impasse because if hope comes to me and says, here's why you're wrong, again, I respond to the truth and I go, well, yeah, you're right, I was wrong. Ask any of my friends, ask them if I come up to them and say, you know what, I was wrong. I blew it. I'm the idiot. I was wrong. Even on the podcast, I say it publicly. There's 500 people watching. Oops. And I'm screaming at Will and Aaron. Come on. I need it fast. Oh, you're on the wrong slide. Oh, just letting, I'm looking at the camera. Just letting everybody know. That was me. It's not them, even though I just act like it was them. But right there is a decision. Are you going to sit there and kowtow? Your kids won't get saved because you're a coward. It's not the gospel for you to sit there. Well, if the white day ain't happy life, happy wife. <laughs> Happy life, obey the Bible. And, and listen, I'm gonna I don't know what's 1142, I'm not even preaching the message. And listen, no, this, may get a, this may get a cumulative groan from the audience, but <laughs> women like it when you're manly. This is, this is a God-fearing church. If you know women, they actually chide against that which they want, what they want, almost to challenge you to give you what they want. It's true. They do. They actually fight against that what, they actually challenge you by fighting against that which they want so that you'll deliver what they want. That makes no sense. No, they're women. I told you, men will go to hell for lust. We all know that. 
They're going to hell because they want to look at naked women. We get it. That's why men go to hell. It's a really simplistic life. Uh, naked women. Uh, hell? Why women go? I have no idea. They make no sense, but that's the way that it is. So if your wife is acting like she doesn't want you to be a man, she's actually testing you to get you to be a man. I'm telling you, it's true. Whether they even know it or not, they think they're liberal, but they're actually not. It's true. I'm telling you, it's true. Well, I would act here. If you have kids in here, it's your fault. I'm telling you, because I'm about to go into an adult thing. And if you have little kids in here, it's on you. There's lots of places. For, well, I don't know if they're safe. They're safe. There is more guns in here than Fort Bragg. <laughs> safe from what? If anybody came in here and threatened anybody, Travis will kill them before they even have an opportunity to unholster. Their last thought will be, rear, that's it. <laughs> but a lot of you guys, you, you want more sex, don't you? You do. Oh, I, I don't know. Stop. You know you do. I'm talking about married men here. You do. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, you know, I go and put an apron on, and I wash the dishes, and I vacuum the floor. No! No, that's the test! She doesn't want you to do that. She's saying that she does. She may even consciously think that she does, but subconsciously she doesn't want you to do that. She wants you to be a man. Be a man. She will be sexually attracted to a man because she's heterosexual. Lift some weights, have some command. Be, a, be Jordan Peterson style. Be a threat to somebody. <laughs> a noise goes off in the middle of the night. Hope knows my routine. She knows the routine. I go right to my dresser. I pull out my nine millimeter and I go check the house and check the yard. And I walk, she goes, one time, probably a couple times, but I remember one time I come back in, she goes, that's so hot. Yeah. So I hired Tommy to create a disturbance outside the next night. <laughs> I'm telling you. And the worst thing you can do is beg. Well, you know, how, how about tonight? I don't ever do it. No. They don't like it. Yeah, but she's, she's institutionalized begging. That's because she's testing you. 
That's what it's all about. You're welcome. That was all free and not even part of the message. I just try to help you out. You're like, Tom, why do you talk so much about relationships? Because we as Christians, our relationships should be the best. Amen. Everything is second by second. A lot of people ask, why is nobody getting saved around me? Or make it even more personal. Why are my kids not saved? Don't shout amen. Don't answer this. But ask yourself or answer this question in your own mind. Are my kids saved? Are my kids saved? Don't don't answer it the way that you want to answer it. Answer it if it's true. And then pinpoint which ones are saved and which ones are not. And then ask yourself, why are they not saved? And then we can break this even more general. Just in, ge- just in general, are, why aren't people getting saved around me? Second by second decisions by you. Where do you get that from? Right here, Philemon chapter six. I mean, Philemon, verse six, only one chapter. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual. Didn't say that the preaching of your faith may become effectual, did it? It said the communication of it. So whether it's preaching or living, how does, your, how does your faith become effective? How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Only problem is, what good things are in you? Everybody says that and shouts amen, but what good things are in you? Is that the reason why people don't want what you have? You ever ask? Including your kids? What is Christianity in your home? Or what was it in your home? An endless compromise? An endless parade of hypocrisy? A benign, passive faith? Who wants benign and passive? Again, that's almost a womanly thing. People act like that's what they want, but they don't really want that. You're like, Tom, people walk out of here because it's not benign and passive yet, but on the inside, it's actually their spirit warring against their mind. I want, the spirit is saying, I want this. I want the word of God because the, the Holy Spirit, and then your, Holy, your spirit is a reflection of, an imitation of the Holy Ghost. Wants the word of God because the Holy Spirit only preaches the word of God so that when people hear the Bible, and get up and leave, whether it's literal or figure, figuratively speaking, they're getting up and leaving because there's a war going on on the inside of them. And they don't want to sit there in the midst of that war. I'm just, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave. Why not fight the war? Why not fight the war? Make it, take that thought captive. Is it the Bible that's offending me? Is it the Bible that's causing this warfare? So what are the good things that are in you? What are they? If, the, if, if our, the communication of our faith becomes effective by acknowledging every good thing that is in us, then ought we, have, ought, ought, ought we to have good things? Name yours. See, this different kind of church, isn't it? Tom, you this really, I get people out there, that really hit me hard. That hits me hard too. I wasted 18 to 50 of my walk with God. Tom, that's horrible. Don't act like you're superior. What's your stats? The stats really are important. Really? You ever heard of the judgment seat of Christ? Stats are important. 
Each one will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive, for, that each one may receive what is doing for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Second Corinthians 5:10. So it is important what your stats are, how many people you've won. Not just every year saying, well, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm just really grown. How? Name it. I want to know how you, give me the stats. How have you grown? Nobody can ever do it. So what are the good things that are in you? Is there power? Don't get all quiet now. Don't be like me. I mean, seriously, in this, be like me. I wasted all those years. Okay. Better's one day. I'm moving on. What's the point of going back? What's the point? First of all, Scripture tells you. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you're gonna press toward the mark, you have to forget the past, good or bad. Even if you're a memorializing Christian, likes to memorialize the great things that you did 37 years ago that you haven't done since. I remember that great revival back there at, you know, uh, Rapid City Church, Iowa, back in... 1987, this is one heck of a revival. What's happened since? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Fantastic. Great work. <laughs> so what are the good things that you would acknowledge? If there aren't any good things, you need to say it. You're welcome. See, you're quiet again. I don't know why you're quiet. For me, it's like there were no good things. I blew it. Moving on. Wish I didn't blow it, but I did. I did some things good and some things I didn't, whatever it may be. Yeah, as we just talked about, do you have a great, by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, you have a great marriage? Do you have power? Do you have conviction? Do you have soundness of mind? Or are you a walking mental asylum? <laughs> Where your kids are having to come up and minister to you. They'd want your faith then? If you are unstable mentally, why would your child want your faith? It's not even good. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And uh, Okay, you don't have it, so there is no faith in you. What they're seeing is you. They don't want you. And then you blame Jesus. Well, they just didn't want Jesus. No, the Jesus that you presented was you. And they don't want it. I wouldn't want it either. I don't want you. I need Jesus. I wouldn't want me either. Maybe the only difference between me and you, because I've acted like an idiot in front of my kids, is that I actually go up and say, I'm an idiot, and say, well, dad's learning. It's all a journey. <laughs> Who, what are you talking about? That's what people do, though. They make excuses for their failings. They put labels on them. They just rename things. That's a common thing in the culture today. Just rename it, redefine it. This is what's going on at the border right now. So we average, we've been averaging world record numbers crossing the southern border, right? You're like, Tom, here comes politics again. Well, that's just true or not true, right? You decide. And I can preach whatever I want. So I love the people online. We're gonna report you to the IRS. You're gonna lose your 501c3. First of all, you're stupid because I didn't violate anything. I have to come out and put Foundation Church's name to a candidate. And campaign for the candidate. That's it. That's the only way I can lose it. So at the, at the, at the border, there's about 250,000 people a month crossing. That we know of. And it's really one to five times that many. So it's a minimum of 500,000 a month. 
are crossing the southern border illegally. So what they're doing now is getting them almost an imitation of Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. They're catching them in Mexico. They're actually funneling them, making them go to the consulate, go to the, 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 ent- the uh, port of entry in Mexico and signing off for all these illegals there so they can cross the border legally. So now they're saying, look, last month there's only 150,000. But 115,000 of them actually crossed illegally, but were just given a stamp of approval before they crossed illegally. So they just changed the definition. Numbers are the same. You can even put it like this. Well, we had 500 murders last year. Well, I've changed the definition of half of those murders to killings. So we only had 250 murders last year. Yeah, but you still had 500 people killed illegally. But only 250 of them are murders because I just renamed the other ones killings. See? That's how it works. And, but that's how a lot of Christians are. They rename their failings something else other than failing. Oh, it's a journey. It's a learning experience. Uh, you know, it's a lesson learned. I love watching videos of people that come up behind horses and startle them. Listen, I'm scared of horses, so I steer clear of horses. I like them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love all animals. I'm an animal nut. But horses are huge, so I steer clear of horses. Plus, I've watched many videos of people's faces getting kicked in by horses. So I go to the front of horses, and I, you know, I get the sheriff's office. We had our mounted patrol. I go up and like all the other people and pet the horses and do all those things. But I steer clear of the mouth, and I steer clear of their rear end. You know why? Because I'm not stupid. You ought to know not to come behind a horse because there's consequences to startling a horse. They kick backwards. We don't kick backwards. They kick backwards. There are consequences to these things. But it's, you, don't, you don't rename it. You just don't do it. You see what I'm saying? You acknowledge what it is. You know what? It was a failing to go up there and startle the horse and I got my jaw broken. But I'm going to rename it something else. Well, it was a learning experience. No, it was stupid. It was a failing. You don't rename things and make it all better. You don't do it. So what do we have? That the communication of your faith may become effectual, which is effective. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The list again. Power, great marriage, soundness of mind. Do you have miracles? Do you have self-control? Do you have conviction? Do you have victory? That's how people get saved. Do you have prosperity? Now, people are really going to be drawn to the lost by my being destitute. They're going to be drawn to salvation by my being destitute. How? Why would anybody want to be destitute? When Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. 2 Corinthians 8 9. Oh, that's that prosperity gospel. That is the gospel. There is no that that is that prosperity gospel. Prosperity is part of the gospel. You should be wealthy. Well, that's not what I read. You know, what do you read? It certainly isn't the Bible. (laughs) Or will you, instead of actually showing people 
that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus? Or will you just fall back to delusion and generalities and vastness? No, God's will is unfolding. How? You can always tell by people's language. I wrote another list here. Here's the things that people say. Well, you know, and you heard me say this earlier, God's plan is unfolding while your daughter's dating a heathen. Tom, you used the word heathen? Absolutely, why not? Uh, you should refer to them as unsaved persons, they, them, he, she. No, thank you. Heathen? Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Psalm 2.8. I'll call them whatever the Bible calls them. Thank you. Amen. I call myself that. I, the people who won me to the Lord used to call me a heathen. Didn't bother me. He's a, you know, you're, you're a heathen right now. Eh, it's true, I am a heathen. Didn't bother me. I'm good with it. People who live in vastness and generalities instead of specifics. We've got 10 minutes to go. Everybody good? They refer to the Bible as the good book. The man upstairs. Generalities. Vastness instead of specifics. Second by second decisions. It's all a journey. Dad's learning instead of dad's sinning. Being specific. 2 Timothy 4.2. Now they say these things instead of 2 Timothy 4.2. Generalities instead of preach the word. How often do you preach the word? Instantly. In season. Out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. With all long suffering and doctrine. Well what, is, what does in season and out of season mean? It means popular or not popular. You preach the word. People are always like going back to the tone police thing. Well, it's, you know, it's how you say it. It's how, so you never act. So let me lay that, out, lay that out again real quick just so we have the foundation. So you say it was the tone that's the problem, but you leave out the truth that was communicated in the tone. To win them to What? So if you leave out, you know, you have homosexuals or fornicators in your church or liars or whatever sin that you have is in your church and you never tell them that it's sin so that you can win them, what have you won them to? If you're somebody who's so concerned about tone that you're like, you know what, I agree with what you said, but just not how you say it, say it then why don't you actually say what I said just using a different tone? You, again, and if you don't say what was true, then what are you winning the person to but your own Pharisaic values? That's it. That's most churches, by the way. About 99% worldwide. That's it. They're avoiding truths to win people to lies. Well, Tom, you'll run them off. All right, I would rather run people away from the truth than win them to a lie. I'd rather run them away. You're like, is that, is that your purpose? No, I hate when people run from the truth. It breaks my heart that they run from the truth. I know that narrow is the way and few find it. It breaks my heart that of the eight billion people that are on the earth, most of, most of which will go to hell. That breaks my heart. Well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in a God that would do that. That's why we don't preach it. But then what are you winning them to? You're winning them to hell. 
just close your church. Just close it. If you're watching right now and you run a church like that, I'm telling you, just close it. Today, close it. Do it right now. Go put a sign in your church window. We're closed. All you're doing is making them twice as much a son of hell as you are. But instead of these generalities and vastness, you preach the word, whether it's popular or not, in season, out of season. Reprove. What does reprove mean? Correct. Reprove. Rebuke. What does rebuke mean? Strongly correct. Exhort. What does exhort mean? Build up with all long-suffering in doctrine. Long-suffering? Listen, if you've never long-suffered, you don't preach the gospel. People will reject you. They nailed Jesus to a cross. Everybody thinks a successful gospel is mass acceptance. No, the successful gospel is not acceptance or rejection. It's preaching it. Whatever happens, happens. I'm glad that we have, there's 857 chairs in this room. About 200 of them are empty. So we got about 650 people in this room right now. I'm glad that you're here. But whether you were here or not, you can go back and ask Aaron when we were church of 100, did I preach any different? No. In season, out of season. Doesn't matter. It's not a matter of I'm now, I am now vastly accepted. I'm accepted by the mainstream like this name and that name that I so much want to name. But I won't. I'm so accepted. I, look, I'm, I bow at the altar of reasonableness. I want everybody to think of me as reasonable. I come up there, come up to my podium every Sunday and just so, you know, I want everybody to know if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Um, you know, if you want to wear a mask, we're not, gonna, we're, we're not gonna condemn anybody because you don't wear a mask or because you do wear a mask. We're just very accepting here. I will not, listen, I will not live that gelding lifestyle. I'm gonna preach the word. Does the word say mask? Oh, I didn't don't wear one. Does the word say run from a virus? No, does it say run from global warming? Does it say obey the World Economic Forum? Then all of it's rejected. Now, instantly, in season, out of season, rejected because I'm preaching the word. Life is easy. Is it the Bible? Is it not? Let me finish with that. I'm gonna skip to the. I'm gonna skip to the end of this message because I've got to have you hear this. See how long these messages are? Look how long that thing is. It's like the, here's the page that I'm on. It's like the podcast. How many slides did I get through last night? You remember? Thir- yeah, thirteen slides out of sixty. I stop at sixty now because everyone mocks me in the room constantly. But I'm gonna tell you this before we go. It's 12.06, I'm gonna be done at 12.10, then we're gonna pray, and we'll be out of the building by 12.20. Everybody good? So 13 minutes from now, you're leaving. You're good? Listen, this is America, win in Rome, so I'm letting you know the timetable. So I wanna leave you with this, though. Every single second of every day, right now, and I'm gonna launch, we're gonna start from the, here next week. The thoughts are coming. They're coming. Good, bad, indifferent, they're coming. What do you do? They're coming. Now, we, we did, uh, our projector decided to light itself on fire so we don't have the verses up today. It did, right behind her. Lit itself on fire. 
probably from the, all the water that poured in on top of it. But anyway, um, the insurance company's refusing to pay for it as of yet. And by the way, if you're wondering what's going on, that's what's going on. You know, we rebuild, right now, we have to build in tens of thousands instead of millions because we're paying for it ourselves. So what you see get rebuilt, we're paying for it. You and I, it's our church. We're paying for it, all of us. We can do it in thousands and thousands, but not millions. So if you're wondering, why is the landscaping taking so long? Because it is what it is. We, we pay for out of pocket what we can pay for. We can pay for 20, 30, 40, 50,000, 60, 70,000 dollars at a time. We can do that, but we need millions. Okay, and the insurance company is doing what it's doing with a lot of you guys out there with your homes. You know, you know what the deal is. But the thoughts are coming. Now, I only got two minutes for this. Keep my word. Thoughts are coming. What are you going to do? You have to take them captive. Every last one of them. I don't, listen, I'm not talking about being some sort of mind Gestapo. I'm talking about just simply identity. You can't control everything that pops into your head. But you can control what happens after it pops in your head. And you're going to have to do that. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we bring into captivity every thought. Every means every in every language. Every means every in every language. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. If you don't live like that, you are not living in the gospel and the will of God is not unfolding in your life. You're being blinded every day by unbelief. Finishing right here, Romans 7, 23 and 24. Listen to the greatest soul winner in the history of the world. The history of the world, the Apostle Paul. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a war going on. Skipping down, 715. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, I do. <clears throat> If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. It is a war. That's Christianity. Every thought must be taken captive. And if you do that, you're gaining ground. Say what needs to be said. Do what needs to be do done. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day after day. Today, the mind comes. You know what? Just watch the movie. You're saved. Don't pray. Is that what, who's telling you that? Identify, is that flesh, devil, or Holy Ghost? That's the start of next week's message, right there. Ready for it? Worship team, make your way. You can clap, it's all right. It's the Pentecostal church, you're good. It's okay to be loud. 
It's okay to be loud when the worship team's coming up. It's all good. It's all good. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get right with God this morning, if you're a Christian who's backslidden or you've never gotten saved, so you're one of, listen, you're either saved, backslidden, or never been saved. Those are three categories. Just like, just like I named a moment ago, flesh, Holy Ghost, or devil, you're either saved, backslidden, or never been saved. That's you. That's you. If you've never been saved, you're backslidden. It doesn't matter what if people think that you're saved, and that's the veneer that you walk around with. It doesn't matter to God. God looks straight to the heart. He knows whether you're saved or not. So right now, if you need to get your life right with God, this is your time. It won't take but a second. I'm not gonna bring you forward. I'm not gonna take you to a back room. I'm not even gonna give you any literature. If you want it, we have it, but I'm not gonna give it anything to you. I'm not gonna make you move from where you are. I'm gonna ask you to do two things if you need to get your life right with God. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and I'm gonna ask you to pray right where you're at. And when you pray, we're all gonna pray with you so it'll be a communal prayer. Nobody will even know it's you. The only one who's gonna know that you raised your hand this morning is me. I'm your witness. You need to get your life right with God. Right where you're at right now, stretch your hand up in the air. Thank you. Lots and lots of hands. Praise you, Lord. See, it's easy as that. You can put them down. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the entire church is going to pray this with you. You pray it. You mean it. And you are born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you pray this prayer, your sins are forgiven, separated from you as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again by God. If you pray this prayer, you are saved. The entire church, pray this with me. If you raised your hand, pray it directly to God for salvation. Here we go, entire church. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouts, amen. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.